Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in, everybody. Episode 88, One Man's Opinion, the podcast that's sweeping the nation. Indeed, uh, mid, almost midway through the fantasy football season. We've got a heavy dose of football coming at you here today on this program. I say we, but it's just me. I'm flying solo. Sorry, everybody. You have to hear my nasally drone over the next 60 minutes or so. I am Jeff Manson. In case you're just stumbling upon this podcast, I am the host of Elite Sports on Sirius XM's Fantasy Sports Radio, Channel 87, weekday afternoons, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You can also find me over at fantasyguru.com, the seasonal fantasy site, baseball, football, all sports over there at Fantasy Guru. My weekly rankings are up as you hear this now. Buy low, sell high, trades, waivers, um, a lot. You know, the running back grid, the slot wide receiver grid, wide receiver cornerback matchups, and just everything you need. Get out. Just lowered the price for the rest of the year over at fantasyguru.com. Hop on that. My recap article every week over there as well. Elitefantasy.com for all your daily fantasy sports needs. I'll talk a little DFS, daily fantasy sports. On this podcast, we'll talk about the swap heard around the world uh, a little bit later on. I'll get into that. Also, uh, NBA season starting up. NHL season starting up. Great time. If you are an EliteFantasy.com subscriber, a little uh, pro tip for everybody out there. Uh, upgrade to the VIP. doesn't cost you that much extra. It's And you get all sports. And, and every single day, NHL. Every single day, NBA. MMA. PG soccer, esports, uh um, you know, baseball, postseason baseball still going on as we speak. NASCAR is still going on as well. So um a good way to upgrade. You've already paid three quarters of the price already. So uh if you, you're interested in that, just hit us up support at elitefantasy.com and you get all the optimizers and projections and chat room and discord access and everything that there is to offer for all of our sports over there. Strongly recommend that. It's, that goes ditto for EliteSportsBetting.com. If you're an NFL subscriber over there, upgrade. And by the way, on the betting site, little, uh, you know, if you get VIP, you get all the sports, same sports. We actually have, uh, um, but the biggest upgrade there is the horse racing. Horse racing. Our guy Slappy White, that dude is fire betting on horses every single day. And I mean, every single day, get you set up on uh, how to bet online with that. Watch races, hit pick sixes and trifectas and exacta boxes and everything else. So check it out over there. Elite sports betting.com. Follow me on social media at Jeff underscore man's on Twitter. Although I got a Twitter announcement to make here in a few moments. I'll get to that. The Jeff man's all one word on Facebook. Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. My favorite is TikTok these days. All right, so a lot to get to. This is going to be a fun episode. I uh, have something special just for you, just for the One Man's Opinion listeners, uh, something I haven't done on Sirius. I haven't even done this on the websites. Um, I know I'm going to get hate for that, but, you know, got to spread out the wealth. Today I'm doing the fantasy depth chart. Rest of the season. Basically, these are the rest of the season rankings, but with a twist. I've done this for over a decade right now. 
Uh, it's something I call the fantasy football depth chart. And I do it continuously throughout the season, but, and I keep it up and it's something that I don't share very often. I don't have an explanation why it's just some, I try to measure the value of a player right now and going forward. Now for, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, during the season in real time, as we say uh, week seven is upon us in fantasy football and, we, you guys want rankings and projections for week seven. What's going to happen this week? There's six teams off bills, Cowboys, Vikings, Jaguars, Chargers, Steelers, all off this week. we got injuries. The Browns are a disaster. The running backs and quarterbacks for Cleveland, just a, a debacle. So you want those rankings, but some of us look with an eye toward the future and this, the fantasy depth chart sort of encompasses all of it. It is a snapshot of the current value of players, but it also projects it out for the rest of the season too. And when I say projects, I'm not going on. This isn't about how many total points each player is going to score. This is about their actual value. We're in the middle of trade season. We're in the middle of waivers constantly You buy weeks and, you know, a player that already had their bye week, you know, Falcons, Saints, 49ers, Jets, they have more value going forward. The problem with doing projections for the rest of the year is that, well, those four teams play an extra game the rest of the way. So, th- and this is a problem with projection-based thinking. That's why I've tried to break everybody over at fantasyguru.com about it. you got to break away from that. It's about the actual value of players. So what I'm going to do today is go through, and I think I could fit this into probably be over an hour today, folks. I'm not going to lie. By the way, this is uncensored, and I will curse. So if the kids or you know sensitive ears are around, put in your earbuds, put the volume down, whatever you have to do um, to accommodate that. I don't like to. I want to. I don't want to be the reason you corrupt your kids. That's on my. That's that's in every parent's uh, hands, not mine. I'll tell you who a quarterback one is. There are 12 quarterback ones. That means these guys, the 12 of these QBs should be starting for you or they have that value. They can lead your team. You could win a championship, we'll say, with one of these 12 quarterbacks. Okay. And obviously it would be great to have Patty Mahomes. You know, he's going to be a QB one, but, and then I'll also go through the QB twos for those in super flex leagues. And I'll do this at running back. And even receiver and at receiver, we'll go into wide receiver one, two, and three. We'll do running backs one and two, and we'll do tight end one. And we'll just go through it just so you guys understand who is valuable. And this incorporates injured players, players likely to return, upcoming schedules. All of this is brought into play into the the fantasy depth chart. So we'll do that on the program today. I'll have my survivor pick the bet of the week upset of the week here as well, but it's going to be mostly depth chart fantasy football as well. Uh, real quick week six recap, the swap heard around the world. What does that mean, Jeff? Well, over an elite fantasy.com, our daily fantasy football site uh, every week, you know, I spend most of the weekend chatting and building lineups and doing core four and doing the live stream over there. And, you know, for our daily fantasy football people, and we were, uh, we had a, a 
good core four this week. I don't care what anybody tries to say. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, both top five at their position. Well, Kelsey is number one during the main slate, third for the week, but number one. And then Mahomes was top five at the position as well, threw for the second most yards um, of the main slate. Did fantastic. Khalil Herbert did fantastic. The only miss on the core four was Michael Pittman, who didn't do as well. But the rest of our lineups were pretty darn solid. However, this happens in DFS. We were getting beat. We were getting our asses beat. Meaning we were go- we went into the afternoon games and only three afternoon games. That's less than normal. Even this week, there's four. All right. Last week, three games and not a lot of ownership going into those games. Not a lot of viable, good plays in the afternoon slate. So we were in about 75th place-ish. 70, 75 plays in DFS in a single entry 50-50 contest with 100 participants. That's the contest that I play for cash games. That's what I recommend everybody play. That's what a lot of our subscribers, at least on the cash game site, they play in those contests. So when you're that far behind, and we only had two players left, Kareem Hunt and Jacoby Myers. With those, Kareem Hunt was projected... Well, his projector on 40%, but he actually was, we realized he was going to come in because the lineup trains, which have infiltrated cash games over the last couple of years, the people that are multi-accounting 30 accounts use the same lineup. They roll it out of the same optimizer. And that's, that's basically our target every week. We just try to beat them. And that's what you pay me for at elitefantasy.com. That's my job to do. And, um, I knew they had Kareem Hunt. So that drew Kareem Hunt's ownership up. We knew over 50% wound up being 66% in cash games. So when you're behind and one of your two players are 60% owned, you're not going to make up any anything Kareem Hunt did really isn't going to move the needle. It's just not going to, not going to help. There's nothing going to score a thousand points. You're still likely out of the money um, because so many people had to be already used him. So we knew we had to swap and Jacoby Myers was there too. So a lot of deliberation, you know, trying to decide who to swap to. We ended up swapping out um, Kareem Hunt and Jacoby Myers became Javante Williams of the Broncos and CeeDee Lamb, one of our favorite players, cover boy, the fantasy guru draft guide of the Cowboys. Well, y'all know how that worked out. CeeDee Lamb was the num- turned out to be the number one player in fantasy football week six. Well, of course, we didn't think that. He wasn't in my original cash game breakdown. He wasn't even in our radar. But the good thing is, and this is the part that surprises a lot of people, he wasn't on anybody's radar. Absolutely nobody owned him. 5% owned CD Lamb at cash games. That means five out of 100 lineups. And again, guess what? Those 5% were all elite mafia. Those were us. Me and the people that were in Discord going into the afternoon games. Ted and I went into discord for our subscribers at elitefantasy.com. We said, all right, hey, we're making this change. We recommend you do it as well. If you're in this situation. And so they did. And we did. And that last touchdown from CD lamb and overtime that one up for the Cowboys sent our discord into fucking chaos. Exciting. We went from absolutely losing everything in cash games to win in across the board, 100%. Another week of 100% success. Um, 
you know, in cash, which is just fucking amazing. You know, when you, this is the thing I talk about. Everyone's bored of cash. Everybody wants to win a million dollars, million dollars, million dollars, million dollars. Great. Yeah, we all do, but nobody actually wins it. One person wins. You're not that special. I'm not that special. These things aren't going to happen. I've been fortunate enough to get many, many things to go my way, which I'm lucky, including the CD lamp play, by the way. But notice it's six weeks into the seat last week last year we famously won 15 out of 17 weeks in daily fantasy football cash games and you know you start normally you know we're aiming we're we hope to get about 66 percent offset the rake win a bit of money in cash and use those cash game winnings to kind of fund our gpp habit it's a nice method to go about and, you know, we've been fortunate enough every year. We went 12 out of 17, 13 out of 17 weeks, 15 out of 17 last week was a monster. When you start doubling your money week after week after week, it doesn't feel like a lot right away. And then all of a sudden you're six weeks into the season where we are now. And all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah. And, you know, I play about $2,500 of cash games a week, roughly. Um, and when you play that kind of volume and you're winning, you know, 4,600, 4,500, 4,400 a week, all of a sudden you got 8,000, you got 12,000, you got 16,000, you know, and, and then you go, next thing you know, you can buy a, uh, <laughs> you know, a mid-level Lexus with just cash game winnings. Pretty fucking nice, right? That's what we do. And it took a miracle, right? Absolutely. And it took a lot. We, had i mean cd lamb if we would have thought he'd do anything close to this obviously it would have been in our initial cash game so i don't want to hear be here and boast without you know informing everybody of the truth and that's that you know should have been on our lineup anyway but the good news is he wasn't on anybody's and that we were able to make the pivot late better late than never and it it won for us and that's the key and it's part of the service we provided at elitefantasy.com and you know, in our discord and not everybody could be in discord at that time. And if you're an elite mafia member, I get it. I don't hate you for it. I understand you got your, your own life. You know, you entrust us to give you the best possible service, right? That's the exchange. And that service isn't just when it's convenient for me, because quite frankly, I wouldn't do a Saturday night chat <laughs> if it was convenient for me or a Friday night live stream or other, that kind of stuff. Um, you pay me to do it. You know, that's part of the, the deal. And you don't pay me, you pay you know, the staff. Um, and that's, we are there for you. Whether you're available or not available, we're going to give you the best information and advice possible. And that's, and I'm proud of the fact that we can get as, we squeezed as much out of the DFS industry as we could have last week get, by doing this change. And everybody who was there got it. Um, and, um, you know, yeah, I'm damn proud of the service we provide. That's, that's where I'm going with this. And, but I need everybody to understand that late swaps are very rare. Like we, we went, Ted and I went back through this, Ted Schuster, my partner on the elite show on Sirius and everything else. And in, uh, pretty much in life, as our wives will say, the, we we've done this once a year, once a year, we end up having a late swap thing. And it's weird because it's worked out each of the last three years now this year included fucking weird. Like I don't, it's luck, but like the players we go to, 
you know, have worked out, which is fucking weird. And I'm not saying that as if, well, we're going to keep going because actually the laws of probability would suggest otherwise, but hopefully we don't need to do that again. And we're not planning on doing it. It's only only late swap when you're otherwise blocked from contention, when you have nothing. And this late swap is actually a lot better of a process and idea and strategy in GPP, meaning tournaments. When you're behind eight ball, go to the lesser owned person. You can see what a lot of the lineups have. Who's the heavy ownership? You can just do basic math on that. Look at their lineup, total it up, and say, oh, yeah, they're, they're, you know, a lot of lineups with this late game quarterback or running back or whoever. And then go a different direction because if that player, the chalk bombs, as Kareem Hunt, he didn't really bomb either. But Kareem Hunt was fine, did get hurt though. And, um, Myers got a touchdown call back as well, but if they don't, and you can get somebody at 1% or 5% that go off, you pass everybody, you leapfrog over. It's crazy. So, uh, that was the swap heard around the world, uh, this past weekend. And again, um, not something we plan on doing. Hopefully we'll never be in that situation again. Hopefully we're just always leading or at least in contention with our regular lineup, but that's what we do at elitefantasy.com. And we're here for you. Uh, also, by the way, can I just say, oh, Twitter, you probably are wondering what the fuck you talk about Twitter, man. Fuck Twitter, man. Let's fuck it. And some of you found me via Twitter and I appreciate that and everything, but it's, I don't know what we're doing. I, I really don't. I could get on. Some of you liked the real talk last week on this podcast, this episode. Some of you said, Hey man, I want more football, which I'm trying to get. So I won't go on a big rant, even though I could, but let's just, I'm just going to call it what it is. And I know probably 80% of you are going to hate me for saying this. We've become too partisan. Just think about it. Everybody just has their own. Everybody thinks their own way. One way is right. It's politics. It's the news channels you choose. It's the sports teams you choose. I had Bears fans. I've been a Bear fan for 44 years. Uh, you know, fuck anybody who says that. I'm not true blue bear. I'm true blue bears. I'm as Chicago as it gets. Listen to this accent, baby. And I had people tell me that you know, Justin Fields interception wasn't bad. Fuck off. Idiotic. Like, I'm so sick of it. Whether it, And then it happened Monday night with Bill's mafia who always just so biased toward your team. And by the way, if you're a Patriot fan, okay. Maybe even a Yankee fan or Red Sox fan. You guys have won a lot, and I get why you get become egotistical. Who the fuck are Bills fans? Really? You haven't won shit in years. And I love the Bills. I love the fan base, except the Twitter-based ones. It's You're not right, and you weren't right about the Josh Allen thing. I'll, I'm just going to leave it at that. Here's the more important point about Twitter. There's no more discussion. There's, there is no more. It doesn't exist. All right. And I've tried for the last year to figure out if it's maybe, you know, I don't know how many followers I have on Twitter anymore. It's 50,000 or something like that, which isn't, it's a lot, but not a ton, you know, I'm not a Kardashian or anybody like that. And mostly it's because I don't tweet to gain followers. It's not never been my interest. I always enjoyed Twitter. It used to be, I tell you, man, I used to throw out my sports thoughts and 
and whatnot. Even, you know, I was, I've been on the radio most of the time that I've been on Twitter, but, you know, had le- le- less shows and um, less of a forum to discuss with people. It used to be great. I used to say, yeah, that was a bad, what a terrible thing doing QB sneak. And people would say, no, it's a, you know, it says this. And I'd say, you know, the numbers say this. And I said, yeah, but then there's this thing called <laughs> laws of probability where if you've done something successful 90% of the time, but yet the success rate is 60% of the time, are you more likely to succeed going forward or less? Obviously, well, hopefully, you know, it's less. And, you know, just simple things like that. And we have a discussion, but there is no more discussion. It's immediately, everybody wants to cancel everybody. And as much as you all listen to this podcast, think that you're innocent, think about it, though you're not. Cause it has, it's not just me doing it. It's everybody. I'm, I'll take my part in it as well. You know, I've done the whole fake outrage thing with people, you know, react when somebody says something, what's the big fucking deal. You know, if you're sexist or racist or bigoted or whatever, then fine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cancel. Get the fuck out. Right. I think that should be the agreed upon thing but if you have an opinion that's different than my opinion whether it's about agriculture or the fucking buffalo bills who gives a shit talk it out have a discussion it could be a passionate discussion fuck you you dumb motherfucker and you don't know oh my i got told i don't know football i'm like oh my god if these people only knew i would love that's where and i can't there's nothing i could do about it at this stage where there's not, I, I just want to say, I asked everybody, I said, okay, everybody who's yelling at me about Josh Allen, call my radio show. 888-963-2682 between four and six, any day of the week. And I'd be happy to talk to you. I've, I've received zero phone calls. Zero. Nobody's going to call because they re- eventually when you're, everyone's tough on Twitter and social media, Instagram, Facebook, everybody's a badass motherfucker on these. And then they start talking and they, you never realize how dumb you sound until you're on a national radio show saying that. Trust me on that. Cause I do, I've done it. I'll do, I do it every week. I say something stupid, right? It's something that I say or think. And then I realize, Oh boy, that's, that's bad. That's dumb. That's not what I meant. You know, or it comes out, in your because all of us have an idea in our minds what we sound like and in our bubble whether it's our fandom bubble our household bubble our political bubble we think this is why so many people are getting in trouble with like the vaccine stuff and we we live in echo chambers and we only go to sites that agree with us and we only we all think that that and then we go out in the world and we go to a target, we start knocking shit down because, you know, we're flipping out about their policy. And it's like, you, you don't realize that you're an asshole because in your bubble, it's cool. It's fine. And that happens. And then on social media, that happens. But everybody retreats their bubble. But you can't say it on broadcast airwaves and not sound like a total fucking idiot. And that's, that's the power I have. And that's the power I know I have. Nobody's going to call. I know. And I don't blame them. Think about the ones that have called on stupid things. I embarrass them or I don't do it. They embarrass themselves, but I know how to do it. It's pretty easy. 
All I have to do is let them talk. Keep talking. What do you got? Yeah, there you go. Um, it's like a lawyer will do. Perjure yourself. You're just, yeah, I asked you this question deposition, and now you're going to get on the bench and lie about it or whatever. Okay, I know the truth, or I've got evidence to the contrary. I'll just let you hang yourself. Here you go, buddy. No problem. So that that's the issue. And so what I'm doing with Twitter is I'm backing off. It's, I go, I'll tweet. I'll promote our stuff. I'll have, I'm always happy to answer your questions on Twitter at Jeff underscore man's. Uh, but I'm not going to offer opinions anymore. Nah, I, I, you know, I will tell you what, what's happening during the games on Sundays. This guy scored, this guy didn't. Here's the amount of touches, you know, those things, but I'm not, I'm going to refrain from saying, Oh, this guy looks good or doesn't look good or so-and-so sucks today. Or yeah, just it's no sense in it. You know, there's just no sense in offering an opinion on this medium any longer. It just doesn't really, there's no upside. It's just a bunch of people waiting to pounce on you for no reason. And there's no arguing your way out because there's no arguing in 280 characters. Right. So that's where I'm at on Twitter. And that's, that's just my, where I'm going forward with as well. Um, what else? Oh, by the way, don't buy the iPhone 13 yet. It's, it's all fucked up. I just got my brand new iPhone and I got the iPhone 13. My other phone was shitty. As you guys know, the coffee video, fantasy football, talking to car getting coffee every weekday morning on my Twitter feed. It didn't work. My old iPhone 10 or whatever I have, it's simply the Twitter video wouldn't work. So that's why I upgraded. And this phone's worse than my old one. It does not connect to any Bluetooth devices. It shows up notifications that aren't there on your emails and on social apps and stuff. And I have, uh, I have a lot of anxiety and ADD as probably obsessive compulsive is more OCD for me than anything. Um, all non-diagnosed because I don't go to doctors very often, but um, I can't stand having notifications on my devices. I can't stand it. I clean everything out. Everything's clean on my shit. And the new iPhone won't let you. I've gone all the unread. I've gone through everything. I emptied it. I deleted the entire inbox. I deleted it and it still shows up. So I'm sure it'll be solved with updates, but it's just not worth it yet. Maybe at Christmas time, better idea, but it's fucked right now. So there, I just want to pass along. You get it. It's a full service show, everybody, right? It's a full service show. Um, all right, let's get it. So not going to do week seven starts and sits this week, uh, but I'll, I'll go through quickly. Fuck. I can't quit you guys. Um, players I'm starting this week, top 12 quarterbacks, Jameis Winston, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, uh, Guys, I'm sitting at quarterback, Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones. Running backs, I'm starting Melvin Gordon, unfortunately, God, and Javante Williams. Devonta Freeman of Baltimore. Now, we got to see – I think Lat Murray is not going to play. So, I have Freeman up in the top 24. Dearness Johnson of the Browns, of course. Running backs, I'm sitting this week. Uh, Cordero Patterson, Kenyon Drake uh, up in there as well. So – guys that are outside the top 24, the top 36 wide receivers, players. I am, I am starting Allen Robinson against Tampa Bay. I am going to start Sterling Shepard of the New York Giants this week as well. Also, like Rondale Moore, top 36 Arizona against Houston at home. 
benching Tyler Boyd, T.Y. Hilton, Marcus Callaway all this week. Uh, tight ends, I'm starting. Um, Evan Ingram, I guess, is the only Tyler Higby, or I'm sorry, Dallas Goddard in that game. Goddard and Higby and Ingram. I'm sorry. Yeah, Ingram, Higby, Goddard all made it in the top 12. Outside top 12 this week at tight end, meaning ideally. Robert Tunyon, I, I can't, I don't even know if you roster that guy anymore. And then Zach Ertz, I'm not going to start Ertz yet. Not yet. You know, first, I don't, my suspicion, he's not going to be active. This way, you know, he was there in Arizona. He's practiced everything. I just don't know. He might be active. It'll be limited. It's a blowout. So I'm not starting Ertz this week. Although, as you'll see in the fantasy football depth chart, I do like him. I do like Ertz going forward the rest of the way. So there you go. Some uh, starts and sets real quick, obviously, uh, with that. If you want to stream players this week, Justin Fields, Derek Carr. Fields against Tampa Bay, he'll be the Bears' leading rusher and leading passer. And the Buccaneers' secondary is dog shit. If you're streaming tight ends, don't forget Ross Dwelly, C.J. Uzoma, Hunter Henry. Uh, defenses, Cardinals, Dolphins, Panthers, if you're in need of a defense this week with all these uh, other teams being off. Let's get into the fantasy depth chart here, everybody. This is uh, the va- current value of players all across the National Football League for fantasy football purposes. We'll start at quarterback. Now, here are the QB1s. Now, here's – I'm going to explain this even further of what I'm doing and why this is useful and the way I utilize my fantasy depth chart. Uh, your teams should be comprised like yours every. I do a depth chart for all my teams. I'm 20 leagues this year. I have a depth chart for every one of them. I mean, my own, and I adhere to it. My QB one starts every week. I don't fuck around. I'm not like, well, better matchup. No, 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 no. Very rarely do I ever do that. Not saying it never happens, but 98% of the time, it will. I stick to my depth chart. If I didn't start a guy last week and he balled out, I'm not going to chase those points the next week. That's just, I've never, I have not played fantasy football that way in 15 years, and it's created all these notable wins for myself. I strongly recommend and strongly believe all of you can do it too. In whatever league format, from high stakes leagues to your own office league, home office or friends and family, whatever, you can win this way. And the you should your starting quarterback should be one of the QB ones, one of the twelve guys I have on my list. Now, some of you are in smaller leagues, some are in deeper leagues, so you know that's fine. And then running back one, you should have one of those on your team. Our running back two, that should be your secondary running back. That's the bet. So the count, any combination thereof is good. That's a good balance to your roster. And then we get through the wide receivers. If you follow along with my fantasy depth chart right now, and you look at your lineup this week or go to your depth chart because it's not fair because obviously Eckler or Herbert, these are number one guys and they're off this week. But if on the regular, you're going to start a guy, you know, Herbert, Ackler, Mike Williams. And again, not all three on the same team, but you're in good shape. If your depth chart matches or exceeds the entirety of the depth chart, 
your roster's in really good shape and good position moving forward. If not, if your running back two is a guy that like, if you, if you're running back one is a RB two in the entirety of fantasy football and your RB two is a guy I don't even name. Yeah. You're in trouble. That's where you need to upgrade. See what I'm saying? See how that works. And same with the wide receivers and the quarterback. If you're starting tell you right now, if, if, Trevor Lawrence is your QB one. You're in trouble. Not going to win with that. All right. You, you need to get into, you need to get yourself an upgrade and this helps for so trade purposes, waiver purposes, all that. So um, if you have any questions at Jeff underscore fans on Twitter, again, still answer your questions. I'm just not going to give my uh, opinions you know, Josh Allen, bad. I'm not going to say bad throw by this guy. I won't even say it. Fuck it. QB ones, pretty easy. Patrick Mahomes is the alpha. He is the number one, 1.1, if you will, at quarterback. Kyler Murray, two. Justin Herbert, three. Josh Allen, four. Lamar Jackson, five. Matt Stafford, six. Dak Prescott, seven. Now, Dak is off this week and he suffered an injury. Last play of the game. He's got a calf issue. That's a lower leg injury. Two surgeries on that lower leg last year. So just be aware. If you're a Dak owner, be careful. You need another quarterback this week. Anyway, my opinion is don't drop that other quarterback next week until you've heard positive news on Dak Prescott. Be careful. Jalen Hurts is a QB eight overall, a QB one the rest of the way. He kind of hurts is the worst quarterback in this list by a mile, but he's got more value than Tom Brady for crying out loud. Brady, by the way, is nine, but at rushing ability, he hasn't scored under 20 points yet in a game. And Philly's going to, he's going to always be in the same game script. It's going to be the same shit every week. So the worst game script for Jalen Hurts was week one against Atlanta. So probably for the whole year, Tom Brady, nine, Aaron Rodgers 10. Now, one of the things that also needs to be said about the depth chart and, you know, we're starting here in week seven going forward is that um, weather and, you know, some quarterbacks and receivers, remember it's been beautiful all over the country. We've had very little weather concerns, a little bit of wind in Cleveland last week, but, and people freaked out about that because it's new. It will be cold, windy, windy, shitty in green Bay, Chicago, Philly, Pittsburgh. This is what happens. And you know, the thing about Aaron Rodgers is he's got a lot. He's got uh, every game. He has home games against uh, Rams bears, then he goes to Baltimore. Weather will be in Baltimore. In or at home against Cleveland, at home against Minnesota. A lot of home games down the stretch. A lot of Green Bay weather. A lot of chances for shit to go wrong. So just it's not overwhelming, but it's all factored in as well. The sites of these games, the game scripts, everything. Joe Burrow is number eleven, a QB one. I I would have no problem with Joey B being my quarterback the rest of the way. And number twelve. This is the most interesting. One and one that surprises me. It won't surprise you if you listen to the elite sports show on Sirius XM, but Jameis Winston. Yeah. Jameis Winston, the QB 12, a QB one. 
this uh, for the rest of the year. That schedule I've talked about next six weeks are all fantastic games for Jameis Winston. And that's the situation where um, he is going to be a QB one against Seattle this week and Tampa, Atlanta, Tennessee, Philadelphia. Okay. And then he's got the bills, which is tough, but then he's got Dallas, the jets, Tampa again. I mean, he's got that's a hell of a schedule. Jameis has. So he gets that spot. He wins that spot very slightly in my model over Kirk cousins. Who's been producing at a very high level. And remember, this is one of those situations where if you look at quarterbacks, the whole rest of the way or or where they stand right now, you know, Kirk cousins is a top 10 fantasy quarterback right now. And he's been doing great. 13 to two touchdown interception ratio. One of the best in all of football. He's playing very well, but we need to start now and go forward. Will cousins finish ahead of, Jameis Winston for the whole season, most likely. Yeah. He's got a 40 point lead, 35 point lead on him already. So yeah, probably, but we're starting now going forward. Kirk cousins is the top end QB two. Number one are the quarterback twos. Matt Ryan is number two in the quarterback twos. Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, Justin Fields is the sixth quarterback too. So this is if you're in a super flex type of league or a two quarterback mandatory league, this helps you. Sam Darnold, uh, Sam Darnold saw the mighty have fallen. He's another guy currently QB 11 in fantasy football. Um, what does that put him? He is the seventh QB two. So 19th overall rest of the way, Trevor Lawrence, Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield, Trey Lance, we're anticipating him eventually starting again for the 49ers and Deshaun Watson. And this is only, and this is how, you know, as of this podcast, when you're listening, well, this deal could be done right now. There's heavy rumors with Deshaun Watson being traded to Miami. Now what happens there? I have no freaking idea. Can him, can he play? We don't know, right? We just don't know what it is. But if there's a chance Deshaun Watson plays again, Deshaun Watson, if they made a trade tomorrow and he goes to Miami, let's just say really anywhere, and they actually play him, he's a QB one and he'll probably be a top five QB one. So that's why he enters here as the last in the QB two in terms of value rest of the season. Uh, move to running backs, uh, RB1s, the 1.1, the alpha dog. Any guess who that may be? Everybody probably recognizes that it's Derrick Henry. Why didn't we just take this freaking guy 1.1 uh, overall this year? Good question. Slip up by me, slip up by um, most of the industry as well. Henry gets the one spot. D- Dalvin Cook, the two spot. Na- Najee Harris. Is RB3 the rest of the way? I mean, Najee Harris, what a freaking commodity that is. Najee Harris is fantastic. He just volume rules the day. Najee Harris's number is running back three in fantasy football anyway, right? He's behind only Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler for fantasy points. And that's not going to change. In fact, Najee Harris is going to have positive touchdown regression coming progression as you will and you look at it from like he's averaging under four yards of carry and 
you know, just not a lot, not a productive season for Najee Harris, but a abundant season, second and carries um, behind second and carries second and touches overall behind only Derrick Henry as well. So he's gets the RB three slot overall, Austin Eckler fourth, Alvin Kamara fifth. Now Kamara's falling off quite a bit when it comes to his um, receiving skills, right? This is a guy who's always number one through three in terms of targets and receptions and everything else. Anybody want to venture a guess, Take a guess where Alvin Kamara ranks right now in targets amongst running backs only. He's behind Jeremy McNichols, y'all. Again, he did have a bye week. It's fair. But he's 15th amongst running backs in targets. In receptions, he's even further down. And that's 20th. So he's really slipping in the area where he made the most value. And as far as receiving yards amongst running backs, he's 28th, 28th. The only thing holding him up is he's third in touchdown receptions amongst running backs. He has got, he does have a ton of rushing attempts, uh, but the thing is Alvin Kamara has never been a, you know, massive workload guy on the ground. He's never been a elusive running back. He's doesn't make his points that way. So that's a little scary to me. Averaging under four yards of care, 3.8 yards per rushing attempt too. Uh, that's no bueno. No bueno. He's got a ton of attempts, but his, uh, you know, rushing totals are outside the top 10 at the position as well. I do have him fifth there. Be, and that should speak to, the value of Austin Eckler and Najee Harris and all them. It also needs to speak to the limited number of running backs that touch the ball at all and are at all dependable. Jonathan Taylor gets the RB six spot for us on this list. Uh, He's been fantastic. You get Quentin Nelson back. That's a very big positive for Taylor. Zeke Elliott, seven, Aaron Jones, eight, Joe Mixon. Number nine, will he stay healthy? Who knows? Who knows? we got to bank on it at this point. This offense is exciting, Cincinnati. they got a lot of weapons, and Mixon is going to get plenty. So Joe Mixon, nine. Nick Chubb, 10. You may be asking yourself, well, what about Nick Chubb? Well, there you go. Why is Nick Chubb all the way at 10? Don't fucking know. Why is it? What is this calf injury? What, what's going on? I was very sure Nick Chubb was going to play in week seven. I thought they rested him week six solely to rest up that calf so that he would be um, ready to go on a short week. Thought for sure. But I'll tell you this, the Cleveland Browns doctors, medical trainers, they don't want their players to play. They're ruling everybody, everybody's ass out. Their offensive linemen have been out, shouldn't be out. There's a, there's a lot going on there. And I think they're being overprotective, but we play the hand or dealt. So that's why Chubb falls to 10. Unfortunately, number 11, another guy who's always injury prone, but it's Daryl Henderson of the Rams been fantastic. Daryl Henderson's been you know, phenomenal. He's number nine in um, rushing yards on the season. As a matter of fact, uh, Henderson is the 13th in fantasy production. And by the way, he's 13th in fantasy points scored 
and he's left three out of the six games he's played, three out of the five games he's played, I'm sorry, with injuries. So, uh, oh, he's played one last game, and he's left three three of those five games he has played, he left with injuries. So that tells you, that's a valuable, what did I say at the beginning of the season? Rams running back, very, 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 very valuable. They score a shitload of touchdowns. So he is number 11, and number 12 is James Robinson, the guy who's, it could go either way with Robinson, but I think Urban Meyer seems to have backed off the Carlos Hyde nonsense of late. ETN's been out for the year, will continue to be. I think we just see another guy who controls the workload for his team, and that's why those players are worth their weight in gold. James Robinson, RB12. Antonio Gibson is our number one running back two. Okay, 13th overall, if you will, but RB2, number one there. DeAndre Swift gets the second spot. And remember, oh, by the way, I should have said this before. This is a half-point PPR. I did a half-point PPR on this. And I don't overvalue receptions. Why? It's hence why Austin Eckler's fourth on my running back grid and Camaro's fifth kind of because Eckler and a straight full point PPR likely would be number two. Whereas, you know, it alters a little bit, but that for those of you in PPR leagues, don't fucking don't worry about it. Don't freak out. You are all, you all overvalue receptions. You need to, you need to set the baseline as a half point. So you, you know, you, it, you get something for your efforts, but because receptions are up and down, up and down amongst running backs, especially it's even this way amongst wide receivers and tight ends, of course. But because of that, the uh, that is why you, you don't anticipate, you can't bank on, they're not bankable. Set the half point expectation. And when your players exceed it, great. But you also aren't expecting uh, any running back. And that's why DeAndre Swift is so far down as an RB2. I mean, there's in full point PPR formats, I'm sure some of you are thinking, Jeff, Jander Swift's easy number one right now. He's easy. He's seventh in fantasy uh, points this season as well. He's, uh, but, you know, when you look at it, he is second in targets and first in tied for with Najee Harris in receptions. He's uh, first in, He's tied with Cordero Patterson in receiving yards amongst running backs, but you know, he is a running back. And unfortunately, you know, he is 33rd in rushing yards this year. And he is outside the top 50 in yards per rush attempt. He's, he's almost, he's at 3.3 on the season. It's absolutely garbage. So that's why you balance out. That's why you can't count on Swift as a true RB one, but a good high end RB two. See how that works. I hope you guys understand that. Eli Mitchell is the third running back to the 49. We can't forget how valuable the 49ers backfield is. And it's a dangerous, it's the most dangerous player of all the running backs right now. But if you're the starting running back for the San Francisco 49ers, you have immense value. Will Jeffrey Wilson's return cut into that? Will Trey Sermon evolve a little bit? Maybe, but it they gave it to Mitchell over Sermon going away back before the bye in week five. And that's the way it seems coming out of the bye in week seven, too. And we'll see. Jeffrey Wilson is a powerhouse. He's a big guy. 
So he could be a goal line runner possibly, which would hurt Mitchell, but it wouldn't knock him out of RB2 territory. It's just too valuable. Um, Javante Williams, RB4 of the running back twos. He's the fourth RB2. He will overtake this job. It may, Vic Fangio may be fired by the time it happens, but it's going to happen. And when they, if you give Javante Williams 15 plus rushing attempts, that dude's going to ball the fuck out. It's got to do it. Um, next up is on RB2, number five is Saquon Barkley coming back for that ankle. Still, maybe a couple weeks. We know Saquon, he's a fringe RB1 when healthy. You know, he's an RB1 when he's healthy, but he just can't stay healthy anymore. That's been a problem. So uh, that he gets that spot. Leonard Fournette, RB6. Uh, is a running back too, David Montgomery. He'll be back in a couple weeks for Chicago Bears. He's a workhorse that is prob- better than Henderson and James Robinson if he was healthy the rest of the way, but he gets limited by the amount of games he's playing. Shuba Hubbard. I have Shuba Hubbard eighth. The reason being, I simply don't believe McCaffrey's coming back. There's a chance he never comes back this season. I think he's too. If you heard Ray Flowers and I talk about in the Sirius XM show, he is like Mike Trout at this point, Christian McCaffrey, where what's the point of bringing him back if you're not in contention? And they give us, it's like they're doing the airline thing to us. Oh, just no, so airlines always give you 20 minutes, oh, 20 minute delay, 20 minute delay. You know why they do that, right? They do that because it gives you 20 minute is digestible. You're not going to get that mad over 20 more minutes, but if they, t- if they really told you it's two more hours, you're going to fucking flip. But that's why I say, they'll tell you 20 more minutes, six times. <laughs> they won't tell you, Oh, it's really going to be two hours. No, they won't do that. And that's what they're doing with Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey got hurt going to his left. Nothing happened. There wasn't a hit. It wasn't, no, it was just his body broke down just as it did twice last year. And then he came back to practice last week and it, it he re-injured it. Same thing. That's why he went on injured reserve. And it's going to happen again and again. So that's why I have Chuba Hubbard up there as an RB2, low end RB8 of that. Josh Jacobs, ninth. Chase Edmonds, 10th. Miles Sanders, 11th. And then 12th, Christian McCaffrey. Do you have Christian McCaffrey 12th? He is, he's got immense value if healthy and this is where unfortunately the the one issue with the fantasy depth chart is you do have to take in it to account every single possibility and if he does come back in three weeks well then he's gonna be an rb1 the rest of the way right if he doesn't if he's out forever he's obviously not existent he still carries value because he's does of trade value and if you dropped him tomorrow from your team somebody else would go pick him up so the value is there with McCaffrey that's why he's the number 12 RB2 all right I'll try to speed this along a little bit more um go into the wide receiver positions here and our the wide receiver one Devonte Adams the most valuable receiver in fantasy football it's arguable though. Last year there was no arguments and, but I think they're, you know, Adams is good. Very good. Very productive. He's seen this year is a different year. It's Aaron Rodgers goes into this a lot. And Adams is the third highest scoring wide receiver right now, but he's not 
even running away with that. He's got other guys right behind him. So, um, but very dependable. And you look at every one of the top end wide receivers, there's really not a sure thing anymore. Number two is Cooper Cup. He's the leading scorer amongst wide receivers. And I kind of think he'll remain the number one wide receiver of the whole year. You know, slightly, just slightly below. They will, they run a lot and they run a lot in the red zone. That's going to take the touchdowns away. Cup has seven touchdowns, but does he get more than 12? That means five the rest of the way. I don't, there's a strong possibility he does not. So, that's why he's number two, Tyreek Hill, three, DeAndre Hopkins, four. Now, DeAndre Hopkins should be number one, but there's too many options in Arizona. The offense is too good. Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray running, uh, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, A.J. Green is a red zone threat, and Hopkins, Hopkins is one of, if not the single best receiver in the league. He's the best hands of anybody. Nobody has the hands of DeAndre Hopkins. Like he is number one, the alpha of the league, but this, it hurts him being on such a great offense. You know, he's only wide receiver 13 right now in fantasy football, despite having six touchdowns, second most touchdowns in the league. He's kind of come a little touchdown dependent right now. I mean, he's caught 26 of his 38 targets for those six touchdowns, but he, he will easily finish as a top eight guy, but he's, you know, he's got a lot of, it's going to be more erratic than normal for a guy with that talent level. Um, so he was four CD lamp five. It's done a lot of damage already. I know Michael Gallup is coming back, but my goodness, it's just, we've seen it. He's emerged. He's one of the best in the league. Um, top 10 right now in fantasy points. He's off this week. Monster, you know, did it, the monster week six catapult him up there? Yeah, he probably, you know, been a little lower on this list. I still would have had him as a wide receiver one, though. The rest of the way. Stefan Diggs, eighth. Diggs is just not there. He's 16th in fantasy points, only two touchdowns all season long. Their defenses are really keying on Stefan Diggs, as we kind of thought they would. Yardage is going to be there. Targets will be there. But more of the low-end wide receiver one these days than what he was in 2020, which was uh, one of the best, if not the best, receiver in fantasy football. Justin Jefferson, ninth. Calvin Ridley, 10th. Uh, Calvin Ridley still don't know what happened with that personal decision. He couldn't go to London and play there. We think it's because of vaccination or something, but uh, as long as it's something that's going to impact him on the field should be a top 10 guy. So he's wide receiver 10 DJ Moore, wide receiver 11, one of the, probably the most dangerous one wide receiver one on the board. He is a funnel for Sam Darnold, but Sam Darnold's going to have to learn to throw elsewhere. He's can't focus on DJ Moore this much and expect to move the chains and put points on the board. Carolina's going to lose a lot of games. If DJ Moore indeed scores this level of points, it's going to be bad for Carolina. So I, I my thought obviously with him have, being a wide receiver one at number 11, I think it will. I think Carolina is being going to sink because of Sam Darnold and his ability, inability to look off of one receiver being DJ Moore. Mike Williams, wide receiver 12. Now, the only reason he's not higher, despite being the top four fantasy wide receiver, 
is that Mike Williams, every time he falls, which is often, he gets hurt every fucking time. And uh, it's like the night in Monty Python, right? It just keeps, but to his credit, he keeps coming back. But then touchdown dependent. He's a wide receiver one. He's obviously ahead of Keenan Allen at this point. Anybody who watches the Chargers games knows this, but um, the lowest wide receiver one on the board, the number one wide receiver two, Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson's the absolute poster child for the best wide receiver two in football in fantasy football. So dependable, so consistent, um, but he just doesn't have that, you know, monster upside. He's caught that 50 yard touchdown a couple of weeks ago, but he's not a big play guy. He's just a chain mover, a, a target monger. And another guy that has injury issues too. It does get hurt. Um, you know, a lot, a lot more than you want to see DK Metcalf, the number two wide receiver too. Uh, it's a shame. He's not a wide receiver one. I had him third overall on my board going into the season, but when you lose Russell Wilson for Geno Smith, it's going to downgrade everybody. Mike Evans, the wide receiver, uh, third wide receiver two. Keenan Allen, the fourth wide receiver two. AJ Brown, number five. Amari Cooper, number six. Antonio Brown, number seven. What a call by my dude Ted Schuster on Antonio Brown. That dude is, this dude is legit. And you notice he's way ahead of Chris Godwin. This is way ahead of him this year and Brown missed a game. Don't forget. And still wide receiver 15 in fantasy football is just barely behind Mike Evans as he is on the value. Evans is just the alpha, but really Antonio Brown is the most exciting Tampa Bay wide receiver and has the highest upside of any of them. So there you go. Cortland Sutton. Now Jerry Judy, who we'll talk about in a moment, he's coming back here soon. It'll limit Sutton, but just such an explosive guy. Such a necessary, such a touchdown, big play type wide receiver that uh, he gets the spot as a wide receiver to chase Claypool. I don't think a lot of you are valuing him as high as he deserves without Juju Smith-Schuster rest of the way. Claypool is a huge commodity. Debo Samuel, um, number 10 on the board. He's wide receiver eight, but there's a lot of uneasiness at the the quarterback position in San Francisco. It's a run-based team. It's why Elijah Mitchell's high and Debo Samuel's lower than a lot of you probably expected. Marquise Hollywood Brown, number 11, and number 12, Corey Davis. It's the target share. There's nobody else to throw to in New York, and they're going to throw a lot. And Jamison Crowder, it's fine. But Corey Davis, the guy, they pay a lot of money. And his relationship with Zach Wilson's legit and real. And he's just a steady, every week contributor. So there you go. Corey Davis, I'm sure that surprised a lot of you. Wide receiver threes. I know some of you, I haven't mentioned a couple names that you're like, where the fuck are these guys? Devontae Smith of the Eagles, another guy. He's right there with Corey Davis, the target share. He is just the alpha in the room and for teams that are going to play from behind a lot. All right. So Devontae Smith gets the uh, number one spot wide receiver three, Chris Godwin, second wide receiver three. It's a shame. He's not higher deserves to be, but not Robert Woods, the third wide receiver three, Adam Thielen, the fourth wide receiver three, fifth wide receiver three is Michael Thomas of the saints. Who isn't even back yet. They say could be a couple more weeks. I just talked about the value of Jameis Winston going forward. Well, Michael Thomas, he is going to be 
when he comes back, he is going to change the New Orleans Saints. It's going to help tremendously. It's going to help Winston. It's going to help Kamara. It's going to help the, the Juwan Johnson slash Adam Troutman. It's going to help Marquez Callaway. Traquan Smith is coming back too. Don't forget. Michael Thomas is valuable. Needs to be rostered at this point. Buy low on him too. Tyler Lockett, the sixth wide receiver, three in fantasy football. Um, Jerry Judy, seventh. Again, he'll be back soon. We love him. Interested to see what happens at quarterback with Bridgewater if the Broncos continue to lose Bridgewater versus Drew Locke. I don't doubt that there is a change made. And if there is, Judy gets hurt and Sutton moves up which is kind of why Sutton's this far of a distance between Judy. I do think if Bridgewater were to remain the QB, Judy would move up, still be a wide receiver three, but he'd kind of be right up there in the Robert Woods category instead. Odell Beckham upside, but it's dwindling. He's still a wide receiver three in value, but only the eighth wide receiver three. T Higgins, ninth Julio Jones. He'll never stay healthy. Fucking Julio and Galladay called it before the year. These guys were never going to stay healthy, but, uh, when he does, he'll produce Jacoby Myers, another solid study guy is a wide receiver three. He's the 11th and the final wide receiver three, Brandon cooks of the Texans. It's unfortunate. He's on such a shitty team. Let's get into the uh, tight end position. I'll just go through the tight end ones. Obviously, you know, Kelsey, number one, Waller, number two. I know Andrews has outperformed him, but Waller's still a valuable property. And Mark Andrews, number three, Kyle Pitts, number four. I feel like everybody knows those four going forward. And I think it's good for Kyle Pitts on her. Congratulations. If you took that chance on him early, it's, it's very pleasant, very good things out of Pitts. The fact that he's top 10 tight end after being so sluggish to start the year, that just talks screams to his upside at this position. Mike Gusecki. Number five, Seki is solid, man. Just keeps producing. He's tight in eight, but he only has one touchdown on the year. Um, it's not hard to be a top eight tight end, but it's also not hard to be a top five. The touchdown progression is coming for him. George Kittle still out, but we know what a valuable piece of property the tight end with the San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shannon's offense is. We know what Kittle is capable of. He's still got top six value. TJ Hawkinson, seven. Noah Fan has been fantastic, by the way, um, is number eight tight end. Dallas Goddard, without Zach Ertz there, it opens up Goddard. He's very valuable. Another guy to buy low, and he's only tight end 16 right now in fantasy football. Um, but Zach Ertz was tight end 15. If you combine those two, they're tight end three on the year. So that Philadelphia tight end spot, very valuable uh, for Goddard at nine. Gronkowski, 10, when he's back, major touchdown upside is number 10. Logan Thomas, when he's back. For the Washington Potatoes, he will be – he's the 11th, so he's still our – we see what Ricky Seals-Jones is doing for them. So, Logan Thomas, when he's back, is valuable. And 12th, it is Zach Ertz. What a great pickup for the Cardinals. Max Williams was producing for them. Max Williams is a top 15 fantasy tight end, surprisingly, over the first four weeks. Uh, he's out for the year. That's why they trade for Ertz. It's uh, – what a great 
acquisition for Arizona, that offense, the undefeated Arizona Cardinals. So he is a tight end 12 on my board. So there you go. That's the fantasy football depth chart. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this conversation. Try to do something new for you on the podcast. Uh, let's get into week number seven. I owe you the survivor pick of the week. Now I will do this in order. It's obvious. It's an obvious survivor week. The only question is who have you used? We're in that category. Did you use my number one is the Arizona Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals. I think I predicted losses for them each of the last two weeks. It hasn't happened. So they make the most amount of sense. Have you used them yet? Have you not used them yet? Um, I have not used them in any of mine. So I will be taking that plunge most likely this week. And then there's the uh, other two heavy favorites, both the two touchdown plus favorites and Tampa Bay and the LA Rams. Well, which one do I like more than the other? I'm going, I'm actually going Tampa Bay two over the bears at home, little more secure in Tampa needing a win. We'll get it against Chicago and that um, defense has been solid, but you could throw on the bears and Tom Brady will throw on the bears. The Rams are third, and I have no problem. We're, we're, we're literally splitting hairs. But there is, we all believe that, especially at home, that Sean McVay is going to just throttle. They're going to throw Stafford through their fucking door, and they're going to fucking try to show up Jared Goff and all this stuff, right? We're all sure of that. But there's the other side. Who knows the defense the best? Jared Goff. Knows all these defense is the best. Who knows Sean McVay's offense the best? Jared Goff knows very, very well everything that he's doing. So there is that element that of the three top games, you got to figure which one is the least likely to have an upset. Houston is not going to upset Arizona at home. Chicago's not going to be Tampa, although slightly more likely than Houston at Arizona. And then there's Detroit and LA Rams. And as much as we're certain the Rams are going to try to run it up and, and win the game and fine. But if that happened, it wouldn't be the craziest sports story of all time. So that's where we're splitting hairs with the survivor uh, contest this week. Uh, again, all of my bets for the NFL are at elitesportsbetting.com. Get over there and check that out. My favorite bet of the week right now. Better go out and get it before the price goes. I love Baltimore Ravens minus six and a half. You know, my baby Bengals. I like them. Joey B, Jamar Chase. Um, by the way, I, I did say Jamar Chase, right? Yeah, Jamar Chase was uh, wide receiver seven ahead of Diggs. Did I? Uh, yeah, I said McLaurin. Like my wide receiver ones. I don't know why I'm having a brain fart, but I had Adams, Cup, Tyreek, Hopkins, Lamb, McLaurin, Shamar Chase, Stefan Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, Mike Williams, just so everybody's aware. Uh, I like the Ravens minus six and a half on this game. Divisional game, but Baltimore playing fantastic right now. Defense is starting to step up a little bit. Um, and it's one touch to, and less than a touchdown. I love the six and a half when I I, I think Baltimore win by a touchdown plus, and the six and a half is easy to give. My upset of the week is a game that, uh, like all, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. Most of my upset picks um, 
I don't think are upsets. Like last week I was, I ended up being wrong, but new England had Dallas dead to rights in that game. So they didn't win it, but they should have, it should never have been that big of a spread with Dallas and it shouldn't be the Colts should be favored against the 49ers. And yet they're four point underdogs against San Francisco. San Francisco's not that good. They're just not. And Indianapolis is better than their record suggests. Okay. They finally got the running game going. Quentin Nelson's back to practicing. It's a much better team than Vegas is giving credit for. So that's my upset Colts over San Francisco on Sunday night football. All right, folks, that's going to do it. Episode 88 is now in the books. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Fancy depth chart. If you want to talk about it, discuss it, hit me up at Jeff underscore man's on the old Twitter machine. Um, By the way, the other part of the announcement with Twitter is I'm going to spend more time in our discord over at fantasy guru, EliteFantasy.com and Elite Sports Betting. I spend more time in there because those are people I want to talk to. Those are people I like to talk to. That is just a better, we have a better environment. It's an environment of winning, which is why I was talking about the service and the late swap. That's what we do. We have winners. We have subscribers that help people. We've got moderators in the chats that help people. We've got our staff that helps people. It's a positive, good environment. Twitter is a fucking cesspool if there's one thing i should name this episode that i don't think they'll let me but either way that's gonna do it episode 88 in the books everybody you may disagree with some or all that you heard on today's show it's perfectly all right if you did why because it was one man's opinion we'll see you next time everybody Deuces.